Hello, my name is Brian Delaney, and thank you for joining me for another episode of Road Safety at Rush Hour, a podcast dedicated to discussing the latest topics in roadway safety and innovation. This podcast is presented by the Roadway Safety Foundation, a national nonprofit organization dedicated to reducing the frequency and severity of motor vehicle crashes, injuries, and fatalities through improvements to roadway systems and their environment. On this episode, we are excited to be discussing cutting-edge infrastructure innovations currently being piloted in the United States that will help us to reduce roadway fatalities and keep motorists safe on the roads. I am thrilled to have Ali Kelly, the Executive Director of the Ray, to discuss infrastructure and safety technology. Ali, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Brian. So today I want to talk a little bit first about the Ray. Uh, the Ray is is an organization, a project that that very much excites me. And and like I said, I'm a I geek out a little bit about your work. Uh, so the Ray is an 18 mile stretch of West Georgia's I-85, where new ideas and technologies and transportation and environmental innovation are being implemented and piloted. Ali, can you tell us a little bit about your work and what the Ray hopes to accomplish in the realm of roadway safety? Yes, I would love to. The Ray is an 18-mile section of working public interstate in West Georgia, Interstate 85. We are also a nonprofit organization, and we work in a public-private philanthropic partnership, or a P4, with our Georgia DOT and the Federal Highway Administration to facilitate and mitigate the risks associated with trying new technology, new innovations, and new approaches to best practices on the working interstate. Um, We are um, very focused on three goals, and all three goals begin with zero. We believe that the technologies already exist for transportation to be zero deaths, zero carbon, and zero waste. And so our goal every day and every year is to work with our partners in the public and private sector to give technologies that exist or that are in their last stages of development the opportunity to perform in a working transportation environment. And those that succeed and perform well, we have a commitment at the Ray to helping those technologies to scale across the country and around the world. So you have a very cool job is what you're saying. <laughs> um, I have the best job in the world. <laughs> yes, yes. And and a lot of the technologies and programs that are being implemented on the Ray are, are cutting edge. And I know we're going to talk a little bit about those today. Uh, I wanted to talk first about sort of vehicle to infrastructure. So I, I was actually recently reading an article by McKinsey and Company about automated vehicles and connected infrastructure. And, and this article discussed in this increasing debate about how much stakeholders should invest in vehicle to infrastructure systems, such as sensors on the roads and street signs that send signals to AVs. So basically technologies that help these cars navigate city streets. And in an ideal future, all cars will be able to communicate to each other and their road environment. Uh, and however, the, the reality is, is that we are quite a ways away from having 100% conversion to only autonomous vehicles in which they can really communicate with each other and, and other systems on the road. So my question that I wanted to ask, Ali, is, is how can we create infrastructure that is smart, and increases safety for those vehicles that aren't vehicle to infrastructure, V to I compatible 
or able to communicate directly with infrastructure? This is a great question, and I have so much that I want to say. I want to start by um, just where are we today, right? So today we have about 49 million LTE-enabled vehicles on our roads. So those wow. LTE-enabled vehicles, while they do not have the uh, traditional connected vehicle systems in their car's computer or the CAN bus, they are communicating over LTE with the automaker, right? And these systems, these LTE-enabled cars, have been developed as a way for the OEMs, the automakers, to achieve some diagnostics and diagnostic monitoring on their vehicles. The result is that the data that is being transmitted by those 49 million LTE-enabled vehicles is a lot like the data set that the federal government has formulated and standardized for quote-unquote connected cars. The projection is that by 2022, we'll have 105 million connected cars on the road. So this is a large, almost unimaginable pipeline of car-to-car data validated directly from the car's computer that is available for DOTs and other roadway operators to harvest, to listen to from the roadsides in order to understand real-time, real-place activities on the roadway. Everything from weather events to congestion to construction zones and even understanding when and where accidents are happening on our roadways as they are, as those crashes are happening. And you know, the AAA Foundation has a fairly conservative estimate that connected vehicle and autonomous vehicle technologies could reduce roadway crashes by 40%, but most DOTs believe that the safety benefits will be more on the scale of 80 to 90% reduction of roadway crashes. Now, I've just talked about connected vehicles and what we expect to happen over the next five years, but you're absolutely right. Autonomous vehicles are, at least at scale, more than likely more than five years away. Right now, only 41% of U.S. roads really meet the requirements for a, quote, good ride, as scored according to the International Roughness Index. Potholes, road striping issues, other road maintenance problems not only create safety issues for the cars currently driving on the roads, but also present challenges for AVs to be able to operate properly. Now, when you talk about the five-year gap, it's important that we prepare for AVs on the road, but we also have to acknowledge that even when autonomous vehicles enter into the fleet, enter into the roads that we have currently, not every car is going to be smart. Not every car is going to have V2V or V2I capability. How can we create infrastructure that is smart and increases safety for those vehicles that aren't V2I compatible or able to communicate directly with the infrastructure? 
Absolutely. Well, we at the Ray as a nonprofit do hold the intellectual property over the design and technical specifications of a smart road dot. So similar to a reflector dot or um, DOTs call them road pavement markings or RPMs, but you know, you probably know them more as a, as a white or red or an amber reflector dot on the road. What we've done at the Ray is to design a smart road dot that doesn't rely on reflectors, but instead uses a simple sensor stack to detect information from the road surface and an LED light that has a chipset enabling it to project any color in the spectrum. And that light in the road dot can give warnings by color to motorists, regardless of whether it is a connected or autonomous vehicle, or if it's more of a traditional vehicle. Um, and it would be in, in a lot of these, um, a lot of our roadways, we don't have message boards. We don't have dynamic message boards, especially outside of metropolitan areas. And so what the road dot allows us to do is to give rudimentary warnings via color to motorists. For example, if there's an accident ahead, the road dot would be able to sense that accident and would be able to tell its uh, collection of road dots before the accident has occurred uh, to display an amber warning in order to slow down approaching cars. Um, and this would protect the queue, is, is what state DOT's uh, terminology is. The queuing of cars after an accident has occurred is some of the most dangerous um, uh, travel that we that we can experience on the roadways because there's a lot of slamming on brakes. There's a lot of uh, you know people who don't anticipate that they're going to have to stop or that they're going to have to move into another lane. And it's oftentimes the second or the third line accidents occurring in the queue that are actually worse than the original accident. So being able to communicate via road dots by color um, would help us to basically um, level the playing field or achieve some equity in real-time, real-place information from the road itself so that, you know, those in classic or traditional cars would have some information. It wouldn't be very detailed, but at least you would know that you needed to be aware of a construction site or an accident up ahead. Um, it also helps us to complete this conversation from the road, right? I mean, we've talked a little bit about talking cars or connected cars and how those cars can talk to roadside infrastructure, but we haven't talked about the road itself right. and the road, these smart road dots help to complete that conversation so that we can validate data from the cars um, by having a data set directly from the road itself. And I just want to say, you know, this question, what if it, it opens up our, uh, our minds to opportunities. It allows us to look beyond the infrastructure that we've been building kind of the same way since the 1960s, right? And it opens up our imaginations and our, our willingness to think about roads and highways differently. You know, what if everyone's tires were properly maintained, which is why we um, worked with the UK company Wheelwright to open the world's first publicly accessible tire safety station. Because the fact of the matter is, is that the majority of cars and trucks on our interstate highway system have poorly maintained tires. And the immediate impact of that is that people are dying directly because of tire blowouts. And we 
we have more air emissions and carbon emissions from vehicles that are gas powered whose tires are not properly maintained. So what if everyone's tires were properly maintained? We would have safer roadways and we would have uh, less reduced carbon and air emissions. And why don't we maintain our tires more regularly? Why aren't we better at this? Well, how convenient is it and how convenient can we make it? And that's where Wheelwright comes in with their drive-through tire safety station. These are the kind of opportunities that at scale, these common sense technologies can have a huge impact on road safety and it's available to us in the United States right now. I'd like to transition now to talk a little bit about your work with Panasonic, particularly the vehicle-to-everything platform that you're piloting on the Ray call that you're calling the Brain. Can you talk a little bit about what the Brain is and what does this vehicle-to-everything technology actually look like in practice? Right. Well, so I call it the Brain because the pipeline of data is enormous, right? 150 petabytes is what we've said. And, you know, that there, th- this is a data packet from connected vehicles that's being transmitted from every car, every connected car, 10 times per second, right? That's it includes lot, yeah. things like latitude, longitude, speed, heading, vehicle type, vehicle mass, vehicle weight. Imagine, Brian, if I told you my weight 10 times every second. <laughs> That's not meaningful to you, right? right? Exactly. And and actually, it's it's a little bit overwhelming, which is why state DOTs aren't um, running into you know the roadside infrastructure that can hear the data sets, right? Because wow, what do you do with that, right? Well, what you do is you have to deliberately and thoughtfully build a data management system in the cloud that can hear all of that big data and find the patterns, find the data points that deliver big meaning. And you have to do that in milliseconds, and you have to do that in the context of the existing data that you're already collecting through your legacy systems, right? Right. We've already invested in weather stations and car counters. We've invested in camera systems. We've invested in radar on the road. And we need to continue hearing that data, that information, and integrating it with this new developing pipeline of connected vehicle data. And that really requires a new approach. It requires a brain. Um, and, And what we're doing with Georgia DOT and Panasonic is we're building this data ecosystem where at the very base layer, the, the, the workhorse is ingesting the connected vehicle data, intermingling it and inter- integrating it with the legacy systems and achieving meaning in an instantaneous, you know, within milliseconds and being able to push that meaning back out through the roadsides to cars because connected cars will be able to hear from the roadsides as well. So we want to push the data out to the cars, but also push the data out to community alerts, to dynamic message boards, and other opportunities to display the data. So we want to do that quickly. But we also, at the very top layer, um, we mentioned before the importance of staying open to innovation. The top layer of this brain is an open innovation um, opportunity for developers 
to come in from academia, from the private sector, and develop specific apps using the data that they can access through the system. So it's not proprietary is what I'm telling you. It's not just this is only state DOT or this is only the Ray or this is only Panasonic. Nobody wants to own the entire value chain. Nobody wants to own the entire supply chain because we know that we can't do it all, right? This data is so massive and the opportunities are there for all of us to innovate and imagine what meaningful applications or apps for the data might become and might look like. We need to provide that open innovation opportunity and that open access at the top level. But we're working with a trusted partner in Panasonic to first achieve the workhorse of turning that data into big meaning. The data is what's going to allow us to innovate even more from here. And I think that when we are able to take this mass amount of complex data and apply it to other services and systems and applications that can better inform drivers, better inform state DOTs and other industry leaders, we're able to innovate more and prepare better for this world, for this age of AVs that we're about to enter into. I think we don't really know everything that we're going to be able to achieve through connected vehicle data sets as they begin to become more and more uh, common and populous on our road systems over the next three to five years. One can imagine in the future that it may be connected vehicle data that allows us to move from a motor, motor vehicle tax and tolling for funding transportation to move into a specific road usage fee where your vehicle is telling exactly how much each driver should contribute to the maintenance and the uh, delivery of transportation infrastructure. And that funding is such an important issue, well, and it has been for so long because our system is for funding infrastructure and transportation is imperfect, right? I mean, it is not diverse funding streams at all. We rely primarily on the motor fuel tax and some sporadic tolling. Um, it's insufficient at the state level, and frankly, it's insufficient at the federal level as well. And Congress hasn't been delivering transportation funding on a regular basis. So it's insufficient and sporadic at the federal level. And I think as we move through the next decade or so, we'll have opportunities not just to have a positive impact on safety and a positive impact on the efficient operation of the system, but we'll also be able to imagine new systems for funding transportation and our infrastructure that will be more adequate for what, what we need. Um, you know, we've got to have modern infrastructure to enable advanced mobility. We cannot enable connected and autonomous vehicles with 1960s infrastructure. And you're absolutely right. Infrastructure needs to maintain a steady pace of innovation just as much as cars and technology has been. It's very important for the road to be ready for these autonomous vehicles as well. Infrastructure, in our opinion, is one of the key facets of road safety and integration of autonomous vehicles and connected vehicles as we move into this age of technology. Now, I'd like to ask one final question in relation to this and all that we've talked about today, bringing it back to the Roadway Safety Foundation's main priority, which is obviously safety. From your perspective, Allie, what does the future look like for road safety and infrastructure? 
with zero transportation fatalities as all of our goals, what needs to happen going forward? Well, some of the things that need to happen are, um, and they're, they're more simple than what we've been talking about, right? I mean, autonomous vehicles need to be able to see the lane lines. It's as simple as that. <laughs> and so one of the things that we're doing on the Ray right now with Georgia DOT and 3M is we're striping 13 miles of our 18-mile corridor with a 3M product called Connected Roads Striping or lane markings. And this is this Connected Roads product is contains elements that have been specifically engineered to be visible by humans and to computer vision systems in all weather conditions. So even when it's a driving rainstorm or a driving snowstorm and the lane lines can become obscured, these lane lines will be visible to the computer vision systems that autonomous vehicles rely on. And so having the lane lines similarly being able to see the signage, being able to read the signage, human drivers of today, the computer vision systems that will drive autonomous vehicles of tomorrow, we need to be able to see the the infrastructure, the physical infrastructure. Um, The other thing these cars need is connectivity. Autonomous vehicles need to be connected and they need to have access to real-time, real-place validated data sets. So we're building the digital infrastructure with Panasonic the physical infrastructure with 3M and the connectivity that will make way for autonomous vehicles to be tested on a public interstate at highway speeds of 70 miles per hour or greater. And we're really trying to imagine, you know, this is what the future of our interstate looks like, but we have these technologies at our fingertips right now. So we don't have to wait to have advanced testing and deployment. We don't have to wait until 2030 or 2040. We can invite companies like Drive AI and Waymo One to come to Atlanta and test on the Ray and perfect the autonomous vehicle uh, systems, you know, with or without human drivers um, on an interstate in a, in a public and mixed fleet setting. And we'll be one of the only places in the country where um, that will be available. Thank you so much, Allie, for uh, taking the time to speak with me today and providing these excellent insights into the efforts occurring at the Ray on autonomous vehicles and some of the new technology that is being piloted and tested in the U.S. right now at your facility. And, And also for your efforts and your commitment to promoting safety and innovation and a future forward mentality to road safety. This has been an absolute pleasure. Talking about safety is our favorite thing at the Ray because it is our number one goal to save human lives. And we respect and value the work that you are doing. And we invite your listeners to to come to the Ray. We're online at theray.org. We're on social media at the Ray Highway. Um, Hashtag drive the future. Um, Please come and join our movement. And we are definitely a part of the road safety movement. So thank you so much for what you do. Thank you. In closing, on behalf of the Roadway Safety Foundation, I would like to thank everyone for tuning in to this episode of our podcast series, Road Safety at Rush Hour.
If you enjoyed the podcast and want to hear more, please follow us on Facebook and Twitter at the Roadway Safety Foundation and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or your favorite podcast network. As always, this is Brian Delaney signing off, wishing you safe travels all day and every day. 